Whether it's her first Mother's Day or her 40th, she deserves more. Shop tons of stunning on-trend jewelry for every budget at Diamonds Direct. Diamond fashion jewelry, beautiful birthstones, everyday pearls, starting at just $200. Commemorate the real loves of her life with a gorgeous pendant featuring the birthstone of the one who made her mom. This Mother's Day, Diamonds Direct has everything you need to say thank you. Diamonds Direct. Your love, our passion. Online at DiamondsDirect.com. Live Nation presents Concert Week. From now through May 14th, get $25 tickets to over 5,000 summer shows. That's up to 75% off a summer full of your favorite artists like 21 Savage, Alanis Morissette, Cage the Elephant, Celeste Barber, Dirks Bentley, Janet Jackson, Megan Trainer, Peso Pluma, Sean Paul, Sum 41, and many more. For way less. Grab your tickets now through May 14th to see all of the artists you love all summer long. For just $25. $25 each. Visit LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. That's LiveNation.com slash Concert to buy now. I'm Katia Adler, host of The Global Story. Over the last 25 years, I've covered conflicts in the Middle East, political and economic crises in Europe, drug cartels in Mexico. Now I'm covering the stories behind the news all over the world in conversation with those who break it. Join me Monday to Friday to find out what's happening, why, and what it all means. Follow the global story from the BBC wherever you listen to podcasts. Dealing with pests can be a pain, but relax. Terminix can help. Because when pests show up, so does Terminix. With over 95 years of experience, they have what it takes to take on any pest problem fast. If your home or business has pests, don't stress it. Terminix it. Visit Terminix.com to book your appointment online today. That's T-E-R-M-I-N-I-X.com. From UFOs to psychic powers and government conspiracies, history is riddled with unexplained events. You can turn back now or learn the stuff they don't want you to know. A production of iHeartRadio. Hello, welcome back to the show. My name is Matt. My name is Noel. They call me Ben. We are joined, as always, with our super producer, Alexis, codenamed Doc Holiday Jackson. Most importantly, you are you, you are here, and that makes this the stuff they don't want you to know. It is the top of the week. We have returned from adventures. Uh, sneak peek behind the curtain, folks. Not to put you on blast, codenamed Doc, but... Doc has been traveling uh, even more than the three of us. I think we're all going to be on the road increasingly as the calendar year continues pending future versions of COVID and or World War III. Uh, this, <laughs> but as long as the lights stay on for this little thing called humanity, we are going to be bringing this show to you. Strange News, one of our favorite weekly segments. We're talking about coming back from the dead. No kidding. We're talking about the uh, some of the dangerous deep fake potential that we described at length in earlier episodes. We're seeing some of the rubber hit the road there. And then we're going to talk about some more corporate malfeasance in a way that definitely affects you if you live in the United States. It's a huge bummer, but it's very true. So maybe before we dive into that stuff, folks, what do you think? We uh, we start with uh, coming back from the dead. You want to do like a flatliners kind of? experimental thing. Yeah. Are we on board? 
Oh, yes, yeah. please. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Okay, great, the one great, with, great. Uh, wait, was, was Kiefer Sutherland in that? Wasn't he? He very much was, one? yeah. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Kiefer Sutherland okay. of uh, Dark City fame. I understand he's done another uh, another movie or two in his time. Uh, he also has a great, great presentation available on YouTube now about um, unionization. And it comes from his, well, unionization and partisan politics. Uh, it's introduced by him, but it's a speech from his grandfather. Do, do and- check it out. And like many grizzled uh, Hollywood actors of a certain age, uh, he has a kind of country western band. Oh, I did not know that. Did not know. Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. Well, this is our starting point here. We didn't see Kiefer Sutherland uh, coming in as a reference, but this is a story that would interest you if you are, let's see, if you're a fan of Flatliners, sure. If you're a fan of not dying. You'll probably be into this. Uh, So we know a little bit about the brink of death. At this point, no one in the human species has come up with an idea about the end of life that satisfies everyone. Some people have very specific uh, spiritual beliefs, right? Some people are more hardline atheists, right? The idea being that when the physical activity of the brain ceases, the thing that you think of as yourself, well, metacognition there, also ceases to exist. And because of the great disagreements in, in the metaphysical and spiritual realms, uh, most of what humans can say about death has to rely on what we can observe in the physical world, has to rely on science, right? So if you are If your brain doesn't have access to oxygen for a certain amount of time, then you will almost certainly uh, fall victim to brain damage, uh, damage to your cognition. You can have something called brain death. Sometimes people do come back from it. And sometimes even uh, hibernation can save people. This still is just a measure of extraordinary circumstances. The main rule for about I mean, in excess of of 90 plus percent of these occurrences is that around 15 minutes after a mammal's brain is cut off from an oxygen supply, the brain will die. Uh, That means that no matter what, there was no way back. Up until today. uh, So here's what happens. you know, we've talked about experimentation. I, I know that I've been talking about a lot about animal experimentation from de-extinction last week to uh, a couple of other cool things like chimera and organ transplants. But this one really caught my eye. Just very recently, just a few weeks ago, the journal Nature published an astonishing new study. Uh, and I, I want everybody to check out an excellent article on Vox by Brian Resnick. About this, I'm not going to give you the headline yet, but here it is. You know, the brain is one of the hungriest, most resource-sucking organs in the human body. It needs a lot of stuff. It doesn't get its oxygen. It doesn't hibernate or anything like that. The cells of the brain starve. Some burst open. There's a like a domino effect. A feedback loop gets created. Death. Uh, and for a long time, this was thought to be an irreversible pattern uh, across all mammals. You can't bring the brain back until these researchers took 32 pigs and did just that. They took these pigs, uh, 32 had been slaughtered for food, and the scientists uh, led by 
Nanad Sestin over at Yale, they took just the pig's brains and they waited for four hours. And then for six hours, they hooked them up to a system named Brain X, Brain EX. And it pumped those brains full of a proprietary mixture uh, containing oxygen, nutrients, and some kind of protective chemicals, we could call them. At the end of that, so it's four hours waiting, six hours pumping this weird elixir into them. After 10 hours, they found that the pig brains were not just largely intact, more intact than one would expect if you're talking about just a regular decaying brain, but individual brain cells came back. They were up and running after four hours. Compare that to 15 minutes. After four hours, they were taking oxygen, they were producing carbon dioxide, and they were alive. What do you guys think? Science fiction? Science fact? This is an actual study. That's a real thing, right? Brain X mm-hmm. system is real. Um, it was conducted, whether it should have been. Uh, that's for us humans, the rest of the humans to decide. Um, ben, it like this is horrifying to me. Amazing and horrifying. Do like? Can you imagine if you? Mm, I'm just thinking of the neural connections that the brain has to the rest of the pig that is no longer there. And if you're waking the brain up, like, do we know if it was like bringing it back from the dead or if it was just parts of it that were alive? Right. It was bringing, that's an excellent question, Matt. So it was bringing back cells, right? But it's not the same thing as bringing back the entirety of the brain Uh, to, to be very, very clear. And they outline this in, in the journal article and in, the other stuff you'll see written about it. Uh, the neurons in these brains were not communicating. So as far as we know, this is why I bring up the spiritual stuff first. As far as, as, far as we know, that means that they, they are not qualifying for the scientific definition of consciousness, right? Which would be neurons actively communicating with one another. So if you just had, like I suspect you may have had, Matt, Uh, fellow conspiracy realist, if you just had a terrifying moment where you thought of like an animal intelligent, as intelligent as a a young human, uh, just wondering where its limbs are and screaming into the darkness with no mouth to scream, shout out Ellison, then yeah, then you can save yourself from that. The cells were alive, which is not the same thing as the consciousness returning. Yeah, I wasn't thinking that yet, but now I am, and it's really <laughs> upsetting. That's exactly what I was Can thinking. Can you imagine? You, wow. Yeah, yeah. Kill me. You know, mm-hmm. one of those moments. Um, also, who knows if, if all of a sudden you, you flash back to reality, you know, gravity, mom spaghetti, and all that, and you're just in excruciating pain. Or or you just like, you know, you again, the phantom limb sensation is just enough to like instantly like drive you mad. Uh-huh. Uh, and you, you make the point, Ben, like, you know, pigs are considered to be some of the more intelligent uh, four-legged creatures. You compared it to, like, the cognition of a small child. Is that pretty much supported yes. by research? Yeah. Yeah, pigs are incredibly intelligent. I just want to ruin everybody's delicious bacon moment later. Uh, pigs are smarter than dogs. Uh, they're on par with or maybe even a little smarter than the average three-year-old human. Uh, so that is that is true. That is indisputable. Um, and of course, you know, your individual pig mileage may vary. I'm not saying there aren't some dumb pigs out there, right? 
because that's how mammals roll. It's an average, but <laughs> but this well, is, these mammals will roll in their own feces, which is a thing that maybe makes you think they might not be super smart, but maybe mm-hmm. you know, to each zone in that respect as well, I suppose, right? Yeah, humans do a lot of things that other animals would doubtly find inexplicable or dumb. If humans do adult humans do a lot of things that three year olds rightly question. You know, I had a I was talking to a three year old uh, friend of my family one time. And this kid, very smart kid, uh, she was like, why do people wear ties? You know, like neckties? And I didn't really have an answer for her because it's a dumb thing to do. It doesn't really, like, it's a fashion thing, right? Uh, we do have a brain stuff video on, on why people probably ended up wearing ties, but it's, it's a story for another day. The cool thing about this is it ties into something else that we've talked about in the past, which is the problem with making serious progress in a political system, like honestly, like a lot of democracies, because big gains in the world, big progress is often a long-term game, right? So if you have someone who's elected for two years or someone who's elected to, for four years, regardless of their political party, they're usually going to be centered on making changes that are apparent within that within that time window such that they can be reelected, which is why you don't see a lot of grand, you know, 50-year plans come to fruition all that often, at least here in the U.S. Not to mention that if you laid out the groundwork for that, the person that succeeds you could just reverse everything you've done anyway. So the system's not even designed for like those kinds of long-term plans because there's so little like, you know, um, consensus, you know, Mm -hmm. from term to term. Unfortunately true, especially when you're talking about scoring political points. And this is... This is a point that is not necessarily party specific. It's important to point that out. So, yeah, of course, here's why I'm bringing up the politics part of it, though. This piece uh, is following the brain X system. Again, brain EEX comes out of something from the National Institute of Health, the brain initiative. It is acronym time. I don't know if we have a sound cue for that, but uh, who doesn't love a good acronym? I certainly do. Brain initiative stands for brain research through advancing innovative neurotechnologies. This came from the Obama administration from their idea years back to map the human brain and thus create new tools to study it. This actually reached fruition in some way. Like it has measurable progress. If we have, we being the scientists involved, have conclusively poked a hole into the old belief that there was a a time limit on brain cell death, um, then this has much, much more potential than just causing a possible existential crisis for pigs that have been brought back from the dead. Like first you have to figure out how to bring the whole brain back, right? How do we get the, how do we get the thought, the you up and running? And well, it poses some really cool stuff. Like let's be honest, the badger in the bag here, the elephant in the room is the idea that one day you could help revive people's brains after massive trauma, right? Like a, a a stroke or something, or maybe even, maybe even sometime in the future, brain death. But for right now, the more realistic idea is one that is a little bit ethically sticky. What if we could partially bring back brains? What if we never figure out how to do it the whole way, but we could partially bring back brains such that we can test drugs and disease pathways 
or the progression of disease in the brain. Typically, that's going to be okay for many parts of the world as long as the brains are non-human, like up to and including chimpanzees or something, you know. But again, the biggest progress or the most, the most promising potential for progress is going to be found in pulling a Lazarus on a human brain and then using it. And that is where we get into very dangerous waters. So at this point, this may be an episode in the future. We've got our eyes, ears, currently living brains on the story, and we'll report back with an update. But in the meantime, what do you think? At what price progress would you agree to support this kind of research on pigs or on other mammals or indeed on human beings who donated their brains and bodies to science? Or do you think it's too much of a dark art? Would love to hear your thoughts. 1-833-STD-WYTK, conspiracydieheartradio.com. We're going to pause for a word from our sponsor, and then we'll be on to even stranger news. And we're back with what Ben has promised is a stranger news story than pigs' brains in jars. That might be too much of a promise. Yeah. I can't <laughs> hope I can meet that very high bar. Uh, I'm not sure if I can, but I will certainly try. Uh, Matt, you had, you had something that you wanted to add to the pigs' brains in jars convo, I believe, before we moved on. It just really quickly is making me think about last week and the box of human heads that was discovered yeah. and just made me think, oh, what were they really doing with that box of heads? Ben, do you think they're <laughs> hooking them up? Uh, I don't know. Uh, I hope not. <laughs> well, you know me. I hope so for science, but I'm the worst person to ask. <laughs> okay. All right. That was it. All right. So in other, you know, bizarro developments of the future, which also is the present, um, we've got a bit of an update or sort of an escalation to a story that I did last week that we had a, a fun time talking about. Uh, you know, it's definitely some nightmare fuel, black mirror type material, but just the evolution, the very quick evolution of the deep fake. You know, you've got shades of deep fakes from what's called cheap fakes, which are like, you know, using an app essentially, to manufacture a not particularly convincing video forgery of a person. You know, like, you've seen those apps that, like, you put you, you, you can be Rose, you know, holding Leo and promising him that he can fly, or whichever way that scenario goes. Uh, say he'll never let go. Uh, it can be you and, like, your significant other or your mom. You can do that all through an app that I think uses internet um, resources to actually make those video composites. Um, otherwise, I imagine it would take up way too much space on your device. Point being, shades of this stuff uh, from very silly and gimmicky to shockingly real uh, and to some that are kind of in the middle. Um, and we are now seeing this coming into play um, in the conflict in Ukraine, where some deep fakers uh, used uh, this technology to manufacture a video of uh, Ukraine President Volodymyr Zelensky commanding, essentially, or at least, you know, urging um, Ukrainian soldiers and civilians and, you know, people basically standing up for and defending the country against the Russian invaders to lay down their arms. Uh, didn't do a particularly good job because I don't think anybody bought it. Uh, it was more on the cheap fake side than it was a full-on deep fake. Uh, and, and the differences are, are huge. But the point is we are starting to see a world where you can really understand how 
incredibly damaging that would be, especially in some of these types of situations, you might have a leader that goes into hiding, you know, in some kind of bunker. Zelensky has really gotten a lot of attention because he hasn't been doing that. He's like, you know, actively doing videos and tweets and stuff from his office. Like he is making no secrets about where he is, um, which I think is, you know, very brave, perhaps a little stupid, but I, I think ultimately very brave and, and admirable. Uh, it's just, you know, I mean, he represents something very powerful and it would be a real bummer. Uh, and I think a real hit in morale if he were to, you know, be killed or if his office were to be bombed or maybe it would be just the kind of groundswell uh, that's needed. But unfortunately, more morale isn't necessarily what wins wars. It's more like monetary assistance from other countries and more weaponry. Um, but that is yet to be seen as to, you know, how um, much aid the U.S. ends up giving Ukraine. But that's not the point. The point today is deep fakes and just like social media infiltration is becoming a big part of the conversation. There's another article that I saw. Um, essentially there are hundreds, uh, if not thousands of Zelensky impersonators on social media working towards various goals, uh, anything you can think of. Right. So there's a lot of, again, because Zelensky is getting this, you know, kind of deified treatment in the West and obviously in Ukraine, people posing as Zelensky are trying to uh, get people to give money. Um, it's ultimately just ends up being a scam um, and or, you know, trying to kind of like sway the discourse around the uh, the war in Ukraine um, for Better or worse, it's it's all very vague as to like what the aims of all of these people. There's too many to uh, to follow. It says here, according to Forbes, um, because of Zelensky's success in connecting with people, like you know, as in being kind of the people's president, um, he has become a very popular tool for internet impersonators who are trying to use that status to get what they want. And there have been fake impersonator accounts popping up on everywhere from Instagram to Twitter to Telegram, which is like an encrypted chat and image sharing platform. Here, here's a quote from uh, Yoav Karen, who's the CEO of BrandShield, which is a company that has devised technology to scan the internet to analyze threats and detect things like phishing uh, hacks and online brand abuse and trademark infringement. They said uh, she had this to say um, since the beginning of Russia's invasion of Ukraine, we've identified a major spike in profiles impersonating Zelensky. She goes on to say, during our last scan, we detected 45 impersonators on Facebook, 39 on Twitter, 20 on Instagram, 22 on Telegram, and 155 on VK, the Russian social media platform. Between impersonations of Ukrainian President Zelensky on social media, hacks distributing fake messages from Zelensky, and website impersonations and typo-squatting attacks on uh, PrivatBank, Ukraine's biggest bank, we're seeing a broad mix of fake online profiles as well as scammers looking to capitalize on the crisis. Um, during periods of peace, cybercrime is a genuine risk to average consumers and companies and organizations look to protect their reputations. However, during times of conflict, cyber attacks pose an even greater threat, both physically and financially, to those who are already being battered by war. Uh, I actually, guys, I think this, this number seems small to me. I would think there'd be way more than that, um, but maybe it's just kind of starting to, to take off. I it don't know. depends um, on the uh, criteria used to define that. You know, you have to differentiate right. between 
like something that's obviously meant to be fake or something that's obviously like satire. So I bet there's a lot mm-hmm. of satire out there that's knowingly, you know, with a nod and a wink. Yeah, no, it's a good point. I'm not quite sure what the criteria is, but it would definitely fall under like we, they are trying to create an account that has the uh, feeling of being a genuine um, account. But also, you know, I think most people know that the account of a person as public as Zelensky is going to have some sort of verification. So I don't know if these accounts are verified or how people are just kind of, you know, being taken for a ride and aren't like doing their homework or are not aware of, of those things. Uh, unclear. And we also don't know to what degree these fraudulent accounts are, are, are having success or are making an impact. But the fact is that they, they do exist. I don't know. This to me is just like, this social media stuff is sort of the low tech version of what we're seeing with the deep fakes. And as, as we've talked about in previous episodes and in the last segment, when we talked about um, the, the new president of South Korea's um, deep fake, that is very clearly, you know, acknowledged as being a deep fake. It's not really trying to trick anybody. It could, I suppose there is a disclaimer text, you know, in the videos that says that it's an AI generated avatar, but Enough people maybe don't care or, or aren't looking for that. But again, it's not really intended to deceive. So it's a different flavor, but it still right. has this real slippery slope kind of quality. Uh, with this, if this was pulled off successfully or if you had a really high quality deep fake of, of a leader saying they were going to deploy nuclear weapons or something could cause a panic, you know, in the event of an actual war, it could cause tactical misfires, it could cause all kinds of havoc. I don't know, Matt, what do you think? Uh, do you see this as kind of like an escalation of the type of astroturfing and you know social media manipulation that we've seen for years now? Is this like sort of the next generation of that? And have we seen the height of it yet? I think it's probably state actors and those who just feel some type of way on either side of the conflict. They're just using one of the weapons that they have at their disposal. There, there's been a lot of psychological warfare going on Mm -hmm. during this conflict it comes from both sides it always does no matter what no matter what war no matter what's going on there's psychological warfare as part of it. it's an aspect and for me i think we're just in general in a really tight spot think about when you're scrolling through whatever social media we're used to seeing one of the main things that we see are reposts Repost mm-hmm. where somebody takes content that's already been generated somewhere and then manipulates it in some small way, then reposts it as their own thing. And I think a lot of us are maybe accustomed to just taking whatever that content is at face value and then moving on. And if we, you know, get bombarded with even if it's a deep fake and pretty clearly a deep fake, it has the potential to dig in somewhere in our mind and, uh, you know, Make us believe something that isn't true. I think this is honestly pretty scary knowing that we're here. And if the, if the conflict escalates even further and spreads out in other parts of Europe and other parts of the world uh, or engulfs, you know, part of the South China sea Mm -hmm. or something, I think we're in a dangerous spot with this tech. I want to add something there, Matt, because I love that you're pointing this out. I didn't want to, no, I didn't want to interrupt you. Um, but I think this is very important for people to know. So the, um, the if you are a longtime listener of stuff they don't want you to know, first off, thank you. Uh, but it, it may be tough for some of us in the audience to realize that you probably have a higher than average level of what I would call media literacy. So you know the basic hygiene of observing something and determining whether it purports to be true or whether it is in fact sincere. A lot of people 
And this doesn't mean it's not anything about their intelligence. It's just questions they haven't thought to ask or haven't been taught to ask. A lot of people won't have that moment where they pause and say, hold on, I thought this Zelensky guy was kind of against Russia, right? Uh, Instead, they'll say, oh, this must be the news. And that is something that the news cycle uses and that internet online communication uses to great success for better or for worse. Always question sources, this show included. Uh, And that's what I always want to hit when we're talking about this. And please check out, um, because like we had predicted this, uh, that the next big conflict would involve information warfare on an unforeseen scale. And this is part of it, but it's also, again, democratized, right? Because the technology is out there to create these deep fakes. Noel, you make a great point. The uh, South Korean president-elect's avatar is tailored to different audiences, but is transparent. So I wouldn't say, like you point out, I'm just agreeing that that is not a deep fake, but I would, I would say... I don't like using this phrase all the time, but now more than ever, please check the sources. If it's like Washington, whatever you care, like whatever your opinion of WashingtonPost.com is, if like check the website just to make sure it's not like WashingtonPost.co.fr or something like that, you know? Uh, that's an example. I don't know if that's a real site, but um, also dig a little deeper. You know what I mean? Figure out, figure out if the people who are telling you something are really who they want you to think they are. And it's just going to mm. continue. It's escalating. Speaking of, you know, this kind of media or technology literacy, our company pretty regularly sends us these like emails to try to test us to see if we are any good at that and to like, you know, see if we're going to fall for like a phishing scam or like whatever. And I fell for one the other day. It was like, I, it looked like it was coming from an internal email address. It was like something about a fax or whatever. And I was like, I mean, you I've fell never really for the fax. fax. I fell for the fax <laughs> one, dude. And then I got the, I got shamed. I got hard. But dude, the, it literally, I clicked on the, the the sender, and it had an email address that was in our domain. It wasn't some like alias, and usually that's the giveaway. So I definitely checked it because I thought it was odd. But then I was like, well, maybe I did get a weird fax uh, from some you know marketing thing for like a book uh, they want us to review. Some who knows? Mm-hmm. Some people still mm-hmm. send faxes. But my point is, I, I consider myself quite media literate, as as all three of us are, and. Um, technology savvy and i totally fell for that one and felt like a real dope so it's that's the point is like things as things are more and more saturated and as newer and newer technology arrives that level of rigor and paying attention is going to become more and more important than ever you can rag me a little more about falling for the fact scam, Matt. No, 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 no. I'm sorry. <laughs> I, I, hear, I, hear, I, I hear the shade in your I'll, voice. You think I don't hear I'll that? give you a, a list of the silly things that I've fallen for in my life. Okay, great, it's go. a lot. It's let's very go. long. <laughs> let's go. Rattle it off right now. Shame yourself for once. <laughs> I, I fully shame myself. All the shame. No shame. Uh, but my point is like these things are easy to fall for, and it's it's tough. You have to be vigilant. And to your point, Ben, you have to vet these things. And we need a system that can kind of you know offer some verification of this uh, this footage, you know, and of of these these videos. Uh, otherwise, it could really become a problem. But then it's also like if it's a video of somebody saying something very pointed and very and it's like a speech right not like you know some candid like dirt video of like you know a a russian pp tape or something like that um 
then the then the actual person could come out and just say, no, that was definitely not me. And that seems like it would ring true because if they're saying something in an authoritative way directly to the people and then come out and say, hey, that wasn't me, why would you, be, why would you not believe them? You know what I mean? Hmm. If it was like pre- presented in an official capacity, but maybe it would be too late, right? So I don't know. It's, it's very, very, very spooky. For sure. Well, so let's give that a think and have a break, and then we'll be back with one more escalatingly stranger piece of listener mail. I guarantee. <laughs> it's just getting so strange in here now. Oh, my God! <laughs> <laughs> And we're back. All right, everyone, let's take a moment and think about all of the personal care products we used this morning or last night as we were, you know, doing maybe a shower routine, maybe, mm-hmm. you know, getting mm-hmm. ready for the day, washing off your face. Tears of wild <laughs> children. Gotcha. <laughs> <laughs> yes, man, all of those things. All of, yeah. um, you use their tears? <laughs> only the line, children. Only the lion's record. But I think you're going somewhere with it. This has this has shades of some previous episodes we did. Uh wherein it I does. Think I, I also predicted that this would get worse. What was it? We ruined sunscreen for everyone? Yes, la- almost exactly this time last year we ruined sunscreen. I'm putting that in quotations when we talked about uh, a chemical called benzophenone. I think that's how you say it. And it was discovered in many sunscreen products. And or sun protection products, however you want to say that. And it was a real issue. I believe, correct me if I'm wrong here, but I believe one of the same independent study companies, the companies that that do independent studies on consumer products, is involved in this new thing that we're going to be talking about today. The company is titled Valisure, V-A-L-I-S-U-R-E. You can check out their website, valisure.com. You can read. It's mostly a blog there, like write up of some of the things they've done. There's also some analysis you can access there. And I'm going to talk about them really quickly before we hit the headlines. So Valishore is an interesting company. You can go to their about page and learn about them. So as we say, and this is a company that noticed there were discrepancies in many consumer facing products, products that were available to regular customers like us. And they noticed that there were batch variances that there were ingredient variances in different batches that were produced by the same company. It's supposed to be the same product and there's differences in what's Ooh. actually inside that thing. And in particular, they, I think the story, at least according to the website is that one of the founders suffered from complications caused by this variability. Uh, and it was, a uh, uh, according to them, it's an, it was an anti-convulsant medication that had some variants caused problems for him. So now what they want to do is protect the world from this kind of problem, right? It's it's very noble. It's good. You don't have to fully buy into the story of the company to know that the research they're conducting is important because they are finding that this kind of variance is widespread. Mm. So let's go over to The Guardian for our headline here. Carcinogenic chemical benzene found in hundreds of U.S. personal care products. Now, the last thing we looked at in sunscreen was benzophenone. This is benzene. A little different. Benzene is actually, in my opinion, quite a bit scarier. Agreed. This 
study and the the studies come to us pretty much from the end of last year. I believe it was November, December when these when the product testing was actually occurring. It's just now being reported on in The Guardian. This is written by Tom Perkins, published March 18th, 2022. And it's discussing just the widespread issue here. I'll give you a quote. Valisher has tested to date 662 items. These are consumer products and found the chemical in 180 of those 662 items or about 27% of products. Why is that bad? Why is that scary? Benzene is a <laughs> Benzene as stated in the title of this article is a cancer causing chemical. It causes leukemia, which means cancer of the blood producing cells, the stuff that actually makes the white blood cells in your body. And there are many different kinds of leukemia where different types of blood cells, different types of uh, blood producing cells are affected. It is very, very dangerous. And it has been banned, by the way, by the FDA as of, well, I think 40 years ago, maybe even longer than that, 45 years ago. The United States, through the Food and Drug Administration, banned benzene as an ingredient. As an ingredient. So something you would actually read on a label. Mm -hmm. But what they didn't ban is the use of benzene in the production of other chemicals and other substances, which would then be used as an ingredient. And that's where we have our problem. Yeah, it's kind of like, just for a comparison... To get past maybe some of the chemistry weeds here, it's kind of like how if someone had an allergy to tree nuts, they couldn't eat stuff that had tree nuts as an ingredient, but they could still encounter dangerous uh, dangerous health impacts and have severe allergic reactions if they ate something that was in the same area of a factory where tree nuts were processed, which is why you have that label warning people about a product now. And you only have that label because something went wrong. So this is yeah. like a another example of how this um, how this kind of contamination can occur, not necessarily due to purposely sinister or nefarious actions on the part of producers, but almost certainly due to negligence. And that's being very yeah. fair. I would say that's being very fair, Matt. I think that is being fair. And, and to my mind, Ben, this would be as if someone with a peanut allergy purchased something uh, like fried corn, some kind of fried corn thing, and mm. it was fried in peanut oil. But it just mm. does, it doesn't mention that, oh, by the way, it was fried in peanut oil. Yeah. Um, but Or whatever. I don't know. That's not a good well, example. There's, there's even like sorting facilities where, you know, I don't know if you've ever gotten like some tater tots from a fast food restaurant and there was a French fry in there too. How'd that get in there? I mean, <laughs> there's certainly, I mean, obviously with things like allergies, there are FDA, you know, procedures oh. and approvals that would require you definitely not ever mix, but there certainly could be contamination or if, if a, if a company is making multiple products that contain different types of nuts and then one, you know, gets intermingled with the other certainly could happen i always thought that meant they had a crush on me oh well <laughs> live right. and learn live so and look, learn look you guys this is a last important thing to know i was yes. asking you about your products that you use to get ready in the morning because yes. i'm going to give you a list here from the guardian article of companies and brands that have uh they've voluntarily recalled a bunch of their stuff so according to the guardian procter and gamble 
Bayer, CVS, and Johnson & Johnson have issued voluntary recalls, this is a quote, for widely distributed brands including Brute, Shore, Pantene, Herbal Essences, Old Spice, mm. Secret, mm. Tenactin, Loterman, mm. Coppertone, mm. Neutrogena, and Aveeno. Mm. Mm. Uh, here's a really, I mean, I know I've used a few of those like very recently. Mm-hmm. Uh, great. Mm-hmm. Great. If only you just used products from manscaped.com, Matt, you can avoid <laughs> these kind of complications. But do they have beard oil? Uh, yeah, I think yeah, so. It's, it's And they don't use tree nuts. They just use these nuts. (laughs) And benzene as a lubricant. Mm -hmm. (laughs) Okay. Um, This is so hard. Okay. I I don't want to get into the the fully scary part because it really does freak me out. Just the thought that the FDA is supposed to have a handle on a a lot of this stuff. They're supposed to be watching. We think of them that way, at least the Food and Drug Administration. We think, oh, that's a protection agency that's going to keep us safe. But really what they're doing is putting standards in place and then companies self-report, you know, this is, these are the ingredients in this thing. There are no, you know, there's none of this. There's none of that. The benzene is two parts per million maximum, which is the limit. Uh, and we just kind of take everybody. We just take everyone's word as though it's true. Uh, I don't know. Yeah. Go ahead. It's man. just like, okay, so I want, I want to do a better on the fly comparison because again, as I say, like a lot of the best learning is experiential or through, you know, analogy, right? Root it in something, you know. So imagine like not, not many people in the world are the heads of compliance at large companies like this, but a lot of people drive cars. So imagine if the U S said just to save some cost here, Speeding is going to be on you, so you need to report to us when you're speeding. Otherwise, we're going to take you at your word that you're doing the limit until you tell us otherwise. Or maybe once every few years, we'll have someone go to a city and see how many people are actually doing 45 miles an hour in the 45 zone and then act so surprised when it turns out that none of them are. Dude, you, you, you get harassed in Atlanta for going 45 in the 45 zone. You, you will get, like, sideswiped. And the answer, by the way, is not crack down on the people going above 45. It's to change the speed limit to 55, which is like, <laughs> if you think about that with the FDA, like, like there are good people working at the FDA. No, look, I know Tarts. you're out there. I know you're trying to do your job. Uh, it feels as though rather than crack down on the companies producing products that have toxic stuff in them, the parts per million, parts per billion, or whatever it, the number is, gets raised a little bit because it seen it feels as though it is necessary for a large amount of business to continue, right? Mm-hmm. Well, mm-hmm. it's still safe, you know. We'll run some more tests. It feels a little. I mean, it's a little worse, but four parts per million isn't that bad compared to two parts per million. I don't know. It just it feels that way to me as a consumer reading these kinds of reports from an independent study from an independent company. Yeah. And then also the reason is not quite the same as that off the cuff speeding analogy is that it's, it's often normal for people to go, you know, five to 10 over on an interstate, uh, especially here in the fair metropolis of Atlanta, because a bit of speed over the limit is normally accepted as still being safe, but there's not really an acceptable threshold of benzene exposure. Right. There's not a, no. oh, this is just two miles over kind of comparison here. Yeah, exactly. Again, like what I've seen written here is two parts per million of benzene. 
is like not okay, but that's the the absolute maximum you're supposed to have. Um, oh, guys, I started this off by talking about the variance between batches, right? In this mm-hmm. Valishur study, they found in a ton of these products, one, like they get the same product in different batches. One would have unacceptable benzene levels. The other one would have zero benzene in it. So you're and saying there's a chance <laughs> <laughs> that, that will be okay 15 to yeah. 20 years from now. Okay. Uh, yeah. I don't want to talk about this anymore, guys. The studies out there, if you want to find it. The, 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 the chemical is called benzene. Uh, I don't know. Ben, got anything to say mm-hmm. for yourself? <laughs> it is indeed uh, named after me, but in a much earlier iteration. Uh, okay. All right. I've changed okay. my ways. Uh, but yeah. You're shriven. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So yeah. Uh, I'm not joking about the cancer thing, too. That's the most dangerous part about this is that the long term, like asbestos and mesothelioma, the the long term effects can lag for decades before they become apparent. So. So, yeah, this is not. uh, Oh, boy. Mm. Check out our sunscreen episode. Check that one out. There's many aerosolized body sprays were affected in or were at least found by the same company to have issues with benzene. Um, There was also a whole issue with what was it? Um, A lot of the hand sanitizers that were Mm -hmm. manufactured immediately when the pandemic started, just people got into the hand sanitizer game and benzene was found in a lot of those, especially the ones that were off brand. So just beware of that. Um, and it was, they were considered, what was it in a time of crisis? I forget the exact quotation, but the FDA and other agencies were just, or other groups were like, uh, you know what? The, the small amount of benzene in here actually provides, you know, a therapeutic thing in the form of like (laughs) killing stuff that might be on your hands and possibly the virus. Mm -hmm. But, uh, yeah, it's not so great anymore. Let's not do that anymore. (laughs) Um, Oh, also check out the FDA.gov website and search for FDA alerts drug manufacturers to the risk of benzene contamination in certain drugs. That's another thing that you won't want to have read after you read it, but it's important. And uh, if you want to learn more about benzene, head over to cancer.org and just type in benzene and cancer risk. Mm -hmm. Good stuff. And while you are on the internet, we want to thank you for spending some time with us today. We'd also love to hear from you. Uh, what do you think the ethical quandaries of bringing a mammal's brain back from the dead are? What do you think they will be in the future? Uh, what do you think about benzene being everywhere? What do you think about the future of propaganda when it goes to the world of deep fakes? All of these questions, especially in this week's segment, are going to be increasingly important in the future. So we would love to hear your predictions, love to hear your takes. We try to be easy to find online. Ah, uh, yes. You can find us all over the World Wide Web. Uh, that's what they used to call it, right? The Internet. You know the thing. Uh, you can find us on Facebook. You can find us on Twitter. You can find us on YouTube under the handle Conspiracy Stuff. On Instagram, we are Conspiracy Stuff Show. If you don't like social media, why not give us a call instead? Our number is 1-833-STDWYTK. When you call in, give yourself a cool nickname. Let us know if we can use your voice and message on the air. And then you've got three minutes. Do whatever you want. You can leave a 30-second message if you want. 
You can leave a two minute and 52 second message, whatever you choose, uh, but you can't leave more than that because that's just how the system works. We, we can't control that. Okay. It's just the tech. Uh, we do ask that if you've got more to say than can fit in that three minutes, instead, send us a good old fashioned email. We are conspiracy at iHeartRadio.com. Stuff They Don't Want You to Know is a production of iHeartRadio. For more podcasts from iHeartRadio, visit the iHeartRadio app, Apple Podcasts, or wherever you listen to your favorite shows.